Hey everybody, this is Steve Parker, and this is What's Happening Live. Uh, today, my guest is Matt Reinhardt, a Zyka County Council, and Jenny Enslin, who is a local celebrity, Iron Woman, is like extraordinaire, and to my direct right is Maddie Rock, who is the newest co-host for What's Happening Live, and today we're going to be talking about like uh, all things uh, Matt and Jenny and uh, also Maddie and just have some fun. Second half hour, Marsha Evans, who is the other co-host, she'll be here. She's running a little bit late, but she'll be taking over the second half hour. And But for right now, let's kind of get into it. And uh, so Maddie, what would you like to start us talking about? All right, Jenny. So first off, it's very nice to meet you. And I'm so happy that you, you came on. Tell us about your journey. So to start, what got you started in this journey? Uh in 2008, I was maybe jogging. I was doing a little bit of exercise to stay healthy, but I was starting to have health problems. And I went to a couple different doctors, and luckily a local cardiologist, Dr. Elsikar, pinpointed what the issue was. And I had a type of arrhythmia that can just basically stop your heart at any moment. And so it required a heart ablation. And I went up to Mayo to have the heart ablation. And afterwards, uh, Dr. Elsikar recommended that I exercise for an hour a day and, you know, to keep my heart healthy. And while doing that, I was running on a treadmill and a local teacher saw me running and she's like, you know what, why aren't you, why aren't you in races? You're actually like running pretty fast on that treadmill. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll sign up for some 5Ks. And I started running the 5Ks and noticed that, you know, I'm actually a little bit better at this than I thought because I wasn't in sports growing up, wasn't really an athlete before. And so I kept joining the races and having fun. And then I wanted to, you know, push myself a little bit further. When you are in these local races, you meet amazing people. And it's a great community. And we all kind of like encourage each other and push one another to go to the next level. What was it like for your husband and your kids, especially after having a heart issue? And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, now I want to run. <laughs> great question. Um, ironically, my husband ended up having the same heart ablation surgery after me. So we were back to back two years apart and we were in our early 30s at the time. And my husband does more of like bike endurance racing. And I think it helped that we both went through that together and that, you know, we saw that as long as we listened to our bodies and stay hydrated, followed what the doctor said, you know, we could stay and do the safe thing. So I'm going to interject right now. So I'm going to say I screwed this up so bad. It was like for people who are going to watch this, um, I should have given Matt and Jenny time to talk about this, uh, introduce themselves. So I'm going to interject right there. We're going to come right back to that. So Jenny and Matt, would you guys tell a little bit about yourselves? Go ahead, Jenny. <laughs> All right. You're on a roll. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> All right. So I'm Jenny Enslin. Um, I'm a teacher. I teach for Florida Virtual School, and I'm also an adjunct at Daytona State. I've lived here my entire life. I went to Spruce Creek High School along with my husband, and both of our children now have graduated from Spruce Creek. My mom went to Seabreeze, and my dad went to Mainland, so we are definitely locals. That's uh, You don't really see too many people who are literally from Florida who grew up in Florida. Everybody's a transplant, myself included, so it's kind of rare Me when too. you see somebody. Yes. So It is true. Um, hello, I'm Matt Reinhardt, uh, County Council District 2, which is here in the Daytona Beach area, Port Orange, South Daytona. Um, not been here my whole life. Uh, I would say 1969, 1970 is when my family moved down here. I had no choice in the matter. Uh, 
I, I went to, I was a West Side kid. I went to DeLand High, uh, graduated from DeLand. Um, I worked uh, in Division of Corrections for Volusia County for a little over 30 years. Uh, retired as a warden in 2017. Um, I, after that, I taught for two years at Faith Homeschool Academy, which is a faith-based classroom environment for homeschool kids there in New Smyrna Beach. Uh, worked for a year uh, as code enforcement for New Smyrna Beach and also sat on You're the You're the guy I hated when I was working. That's it. That's it. And Where's your permit, Steve? Yeah, exactly. And then I sat on the code enforcement board for the city of Daytona Beach. Um, and then that kind of uh, got me in tune with uh, a little bit about politics. I've always been that guy that used to yell and scream at the, at the TV. Uh, so uh, it was time to put myself in a position where we could affect change. And that made me make the decision to run. Uh, in the 2022 awesome. camp, campaign race. And then is like, I also want to thank you for putting me nomination for the Historical Preservation Board. Yes. Which is pretty cool. Um, so I passed as like, uh, so it was funny that Matt said that I needed to go to the county to make sure that I don't owe any taxes before I go that. <laughs> so I make sure I don't own any taxes, which is really nice. Um, you know, but it's kind of funny when it's like people heard about that. Um, then I just when they gave me the award for the Oaks Lodge, which is amazing. Yes, it was. Um, um, but I'm still looking forward to it. And then it's like next year, I'm going to be your guy running against you. No, I'm not, I'm not going to run against you. <laughs> um, so people are listening. This is actually a new set, uh, new microphones. And so this is actually the very first episode. So if I make mistakes or something, or you guys don't hear something when you guys see it live, it's completely my mistake. But um, so, but for right now, it's like what I'm looking at, I'm going to just make one suggestion. Jenny, if you can move your microphone just a little bit where it's not so much blocking your face. Because if you look up there, then they could kind of talk past it. Um, so actually, how is like uh, Matt and I, we've been <clears throat> friends for a while. I think we met at a couple different like, uh, political functions. Mm-hmm. I think the first one was... Um, was it Tom Wright's? Tom, Tom Wright. Tom Wright's yeah, event Tom there Wright's Giuseppe's. A, yep, yep, exactly. Um, great place. I love that place. Love Steph, Giuseppe's. Great, great. I'll place. talk a little bit about that if you yeah, will later. Yeah, it's like definitely. Um, Ginny is like uh, she was just uh, recently. They had Alberto's Pizza. Um, love Alberto's. Who's like a did it some sort of event for you? Yes, they were my first business sponsor, and we did a little fundraiser. And I think it's been a win-win situation having the business sponsorships because they can get a little bit extra business, and I can get a little extra money towards my trip. That's awesome. And then, Maddie, tell a little bit about yourself. I mean, you're new, so why don't you introduce yourself? I'm the new person on the team. Um, I'm a videographer and photographer. I do social media managing, kind of a little bit of everything. You know, I got... I got some. Uh, she got some skills. skills. Uh, so actually, how I met Maddie is like I saw she was posting. Uh, everybody's watching this. <clears throat> you know that I own what's happening, Porter. I actually saw her advertising for a business, and at the time I was setting all this stuff up, and I sent her a message. I said, "Hey, is like you want to come hang out and like see what this is about, and maybe be a part of it?" Is uh, you know, and uh, she came down there and came with, came down here, and we started talking. We kind of hit it off introduced her to our other co-host who's running a little bit late Marsha and they've been doing some projects so if anybody needs is like a great photographer or videographer it's like you could borrow her is like the rates are is like messaging me for rates you know so I got to get my percentage but um <laughs> you know, I got to make sure I get you know got to get my it's like got to get my is like a cut in there but uh I'm going to jump back in, let Marsha, I mean, Marsha is like, I'm sorry, Maddie. I'm going to let Maddie as I continue. So I'm sorry that I interrupted, but I kind of jumped the gun a little bit there. No worries. Um, so let's go back when you first found out about your heart condition. How was it for you and even your husband when they, you, found, you guys found out? 
It was definitely a scary time because especially knowing when, I mean, that I could just literally drop dead at any moment, just, you know, finding out yeah. that news. And I had young children at the time. Mm-hmm. And I guess the scariest thing for me was at that time I was jogging with them with a jogging stroller. And so I just had that vision, like, if something happened to me, what would happen to them? So it was a scary time. But after I had the heart ablation, I was really encouraged by the doctors. And I joined a group called Cardiac Athletes on Facebook. And it's cardiac athletes from around the world. There's over 4,000 of us. And their stories are amazing. They, there's individuals that have had heart transplants, open heart surgeries, and they're doing marathons. They're doing Ironman. They're they're, they're not letting that one incident or illness stopping them. I mean, they're doing it smartly. Like they're going through the doctors and getting advice. But uh, so, yeah, to answer your question, it, it was definitely a scary time. It's, it yeah. sounds like it probably would be. So when you first had the ablation, uh, mm-hmm. did you know that you had heart problems prior to that? No, not at all. Um, it was kind of a relief in one sense, though, because I thought it was all mental. You know, the first cardiologist I went to told me I was a stressed out mom. And teaching psychology, I thought, you know, maybe he's right. You know, I'm a mom, I'm a teacher, maybe it's just stress. But fortunately, the primary care doctor wanted me to get a second opinion. And that's when he sent me to Dr. Elsikar and he immediately ran tests and he said, no, you got to, you got to get this fixed. They first thought they were going to put in a defibrillator Mm -hmm. or a pacemaker. Um, And they thought if I did that locally, like if I went to the hospital, they probably would put in a pacemaker. So that's why I went up to Mayo, and Dr. Kusumoto up at Mayo is a genius. Uh, He was able to burn out the areas of my heart that were misfiring to prevent me having to get the defibrillator or pacemaker. That's awesome. I was fortunate for that. And then, so you got recruited then, right? Oh, recruited for the cross-country team? Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, That happened after... Once I kicked up my running career and went to marathons, my big goal was to get to Boston. It took me five years, five marathons, finally qualified for Boston. And Boston 2018, if anyone was in it or part of it, they know how crazy it was. It was the worst weather they ever had. But the local um, cross-country coach, Judy Wilson, was in that race that year. And she saw that I was a local, and she was recruiting that year for their first inaugural year for the cross-country team. There's no age limit. So she reached out to me on Facebook saying, hey, you want to be on the team? And I thought it was a joke. You know, at the time, I was 42, and I'm like, you know, I'm too old for that. And, but uh, she actually recruited two other women that were 49 and 50 at the time to be on the team. And that was an awesome experience. We ended up spending two years going back to school and being on the team. And that kind of gave me more confidence and courage that maybe I can do bigger and better things. So you were a full-time student then? Yes. This entire time. And then you were also working and right. being a mom. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's like that's a full plate. Yeah. <laughs> Here I was. Ooh. Not enough hours in the day, it sounds uh, like. It, it was a lot. Sometimes I would question if I remember to feed the cat or just, you know. The cat's just thinking, me. where is my kibbles and bits? <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah that's pretty awesome. And then how was the Boston Marathon for you? You said it was one of the worst weathers they've had? Yes, it, they had that year. It started off in the low 30s. I think the high that year was 40, but it was the 30 mile per hour winds. And it's headwind. So, and the race, if you're familiar with it, goes in one direction. So you had to run into the headwind the entire Ooh. time and it was 
pouring rain. I have a question actually about the Boston Marathon. Um, so they just recently had the other one. I think yes. it was two or three days ago or something. Mm-hmm. I know they had some big, I don't want to give a shout out to a bunch of terraces, like that sort of thing. What was the feel is like of the Boston Marathon after is like especially um, all the stigmatization that comes with an attack? Because I don't want to oh. go negative on things. But no. what was what was the feel? Was it like, hey, we're here, we're stronger than yes. ever, we're going to run this? Good. Because um, it was 2013 uh, is when they had the actual bombing. Mm-hmm. And that's what actually prompted me to get <clears throat> into the marathons. Um, it was that year that the furthest I had run was 13 miles. And my husband was adamant that I could do more than that. And I thought, no, I can't run a marathon. Well, two weeks after the bombing in 2013, he was like, you know what? You're going to run a marathon tomorrow. He goes, I'm going to get on my bike. Wow. I'm going to have water and snacks. He goes, I want to prove to you that you can do a marathon. And so I live in Port Orange. And he's like, we're going to run down to Ponce Inlet, round to the lighthouse and back. And he's like, it could take all day. But I just want to show you you can do this. And I shocked myself. I actually ran it in 358. Wow. Wow. Holy cow. It would have taken me about 24 hours plus, you know. (laughs) The the 328 would have been three months, 28 (laughs) days. days, In a car. It was just shy of four hours. But I remembered with that bombing, though, on the clock it said 409. And when I got to mile 20, I thought, you know what? I want to beat that bomb. I want to beat that time. That's awesome. And so then when I actually was in the Boston Marathon in 2018, which was five years after the bombing, it was so surreal. I mean, even with the horrible weather, there's people lined up along the sides of the roads for 26 miles, and they have huge Boston Strong songs. That's awesome. Yeah. That's on. That's cool. And it just maybe tear up. American people is like they really are resilient. resilient. <laughs> they are. Is like you know sometimes it's like they shock you. I mean sometimes they shock you not in such a great way, but it's right. like. I find that more people come out when there's like a, you know, a story or something that they could show actually, hey, red, white, and blue, mm-hmm. we're stronger than is like a, what, you know, somebody else did against us. So after you ran cross county, cross, yeah. Cross country. Country, that's <laughs> it's a tongue county. Twister. You want to run across the county? Ran, ran to Matt's place <laughs> and <Yeah>. the county. <laughs> um, so after those two years, what did you end up doing then? Well, it was funny because I wasn't really sure what I was going to do next. Uh, but my husband likes bikepacking. And so I did a race called Tally Tango in 2021. It was in October. And we basically ride our mountain bikes for 180 miles. And oh, wow. It took us two and a half days, but it's through swamps. You're doing really Two and a half months for me. <laughs> it, Again. It, it was intense, but <clears throat> I kind of had in the back of the mind that maybe I would want to do an Ironman. I'd only done two sprint triathlons, but during that... Um, race in Tally Tang- or the Tally Tango, I met a man at mile 100 that was wearing a Panama City, um, it was an Iron Man shirt. And I just kind of made an offhand comment to him that, you know, maybe one day I would want to do that. I said, but I don't know if I'm strong enough. And he looked me dead in the eyes. And he's like, if you can handle this, you can do an Iron Man. And so then that got the itch going. I'm like, hmm. I, I got a question. So uh, I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna do amazing at the Ironman. I do. I mean, you know, and what I love about your story and about thing is that you're not only representing you, you're representing Port Orange. We have is like a, a local person that everybody could rally behind. Somebody who grew up here, who has deep roots here. And I think that's a phenomenal story. But my question is, so my parents actually ran an Ironman. I think we're talking about that. Are you gonna get the Ironman tattoo? already have one. You do? Oh, yes. she's on top of it. Okay. Oh, yeah. excellent. So, excellent. So I, I, I know many people that's ran in the Ironman. They actually have on the back of their calves, like their time in the Ironman tattoo. I got it on my ankle after, because uh, I did the um, Ironman in Chattanooga. 
And I was joking with my children because my daughter loves tattoos. And I told her, I said, if I get to that finish line, because I really didn't know if I could even make it to the finish line, I said, I'm going to get a tattoo. And sure enough, when I got to that finish line, my children were there, my husband were there, and they were all laughing. They're like, now you got to get a tattoo. Now you, now first, now. Thing, first thing, let's get the tattoo. Yeah, yeah. I never had one before. Yeah, and that's awesome. that was a good bonding experience what, with my daughter. What is it like finishing a race? I, coming from someone who hates running long distance, like I cannot imagine. Says the, wom- like. says the woman who plays rugby. That's different. <laughs> she gets tackled while she's running. It's different. I, I felt like it, the Iron Man in Chattanooga, their finish line's phenomenal because they have all the lights, the red carpet. You have crowds of people. Oh, wow. kind of felt like Christmas morning running down that because it's just you feel so relieved, too. I mean, it took me 12 and a half hours. Such so an accomplishment. Constant moving, you know, yeah. and you're finally like, wow, I finally finished. What is the... Uh, um, a fitness plays obviously plays a huge thing. Your diet and is like nutrition and all kind of talk a little bit about that. What is? I had to learn that I had to eat and eat a lot, especially to be able to fuel. Like when you're in hardcore training, you got to eat close to four thousand calories, and that I didn't used to eat that much. No. But uh, I do try to eat good quality food. But I found if I didn't eat enough, I just didn't have the energy. And so that definitely was new for me. <laughs> what were some of the like, trainings that you went through to prepare? Uh, last year for the Ironman, I carved out nine months. I spent first three months training for the Tomoka Marathon just to get used to running long distances again. And it worked out well. I, I actually did a PR run last March in the Tomoka Marathon. And then I got into gravel racing, bike racing, and that was intimidating to me because the women that are in these races can hold 20 miles per hour on dirt for 60, 70 miles. Like, they're just beasts. But I thought, you know uh, Energizer bunny, right? <laughs> the batteries. <laughs> I told myself, don't be intimidated. Just do your thing. Just get used to pedaling for hours. Because I really didn't have much experience with a tri bike. I, I still today have less than 20 rides under my belt my whole life. Like, I just don't ride much on the tri bike. Is this something that you could, uh, because Florida's flat, Hawaii obviously is not. Is like, uh, there is, you're going through all sorts of like the heat, is like mm-hmm. the coolness, is like you're going through every extreme. Um, so have you gone to any other states or other locations where they actually have some hills or some sort of like strength training to get up your, uh, strength and our endurance for that? Acala is actually pretty good. They have really mm-hmm. good hills in Acala. Mm-hmm. And just last weekend I did a 57 mile mountain bike ride through the Cal national forest and it's hills, soft sand, dirt. That's I mean, awesome. it's, it's rough. That's good practice. Um, it, it was. And then for running, uh, Port Arch <clears throat> Bridge. I'll do 10, 11 miles, just back and forth. So you're the woman is like at five o'clock in the morning when I'm going to work, is like going back and I'm thinking, who is that running? That's like insane. I, I seen her like five hours ago when I crossed the bridge and she's still there. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically our hills for Florida. But uh, Ocala is actually a really good place. And Claremont. I've ridden in Claremont, Claremont several times. Gravel bike, mountain bike. I need to get more on the tri bike. I was bad about that for training last year, but... You can go more places, though, on the gravel and mountain. No, that's true. So there's obviously a lot of positives that you went through, but I'm also, I'm sure there was a lot of hard times for you guys. If you want to talk about it, who was there to support you? You know, I was very fortunate that uh, my husband and children, um, my sister walks with me at night with her dog, Deanie, and we even got, I had a picture, but I know you guys couldn't upload the pictures. 
a little bandana that when, said like Iron Man training partner. When I it was like when I upload this later, I'm gonna actually upload all the pictures, and so people could actually see is like uh, some of her journey. So um, when I record this later, when people watch it, you will see some of her pictures. But I uh, have great um, support network with, also with my friends. Um, you know, when it gets tough, the heat, you know, when you're training in the summer, it is rough. I can't imagine. You can't even walk outside. Yeah. I, I can tell you about summers and working outside. <laughs> yeah, I, you I, could. I, I was an iron worker, and that's actually how I ended up in Florida. So walking a couple hundred feet in the air on a beam, literally, I'd go through one pair of boots a week, literally from them melting, walking I was going to say, the hot. Yeah. yeah the it was like, so imagine being full leathers and welding in the middle of the summer is like, you know, structures. Uh, it's It was brutal. So I could tell you about that. Yeah. And I'll have to do more heat training this summer to get ready for Hawaii because Chattanooga. August is right around the corner. I know. Yeah. Chattanooga was warm with the run. It was 82, but you know, Hawaii would be hotter. How does the humidity affect your running and your training? Fortunately, since I've lived here my whole life, I'm kind of used to it. I've noticed when I did the Tomoka Marathon last year, the temperature was average 80. It started at 77 and went up to 82. And I felt fine, but I noticed the runners from like Colorado, New York, they were dropping like flies. Like it's just, they weren't used to that heat and yeah. humidity. So, um, what, is, what is some of your favorite races locally here in Florida? Uh, is there certain ones? Because I know they do have a beach run. They do have, it's like a 5K and all those. Do you participate in those? Or do I you? have, but the sad thing is that so many have been canceled because the permits are so much now. Um, my very first half marathon was the um, Lighthouse Loop that would go around Ponce Inlet. Mm-hmm. Did that for 10 years, but last year was their last year because of permits. The Tomoka Marathon last year was the last year because they can't afford it anymore. They've had to cancel every single triathlon that's in the area. That's part of the reason why I've only done two because I was going to do more last year, but since they were all canceled, I I didn't really want to spend the money traveling to the other ones in other cities. Matt? Yeah, that's concerning. I mean, permits, is that coming from the city or from the, from well, the county? Well, for some of the races, it's both. I, okay. I know with the Ponce and Grace, they go through Shores County, Wilbur, Ponce okay. Inlet. Something probably you could look into. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, race directors would love your help with that. Yeah. And then, you know, it's also, I could promote it on my pages and that sort of thing because I could push that. It's got a pretty good following and push that. But So maybe we could get together as like figure out something maybe and then. Okay. Yeah, yeah most definitely. Yeah. I want to help with that. Okay, yeah. I do want to help with that. Shark Bite Half Marathon in New Smyrna is still going strong. And I can see the the permit section in the county right now cringing. Oh, yeah. county councilman's going on there yeah. talking about how he's going to help with the permits. We are. <laughs> well, yeah. the I'm coming. Would appreciate it in triathlon, you know, with the triathletes because yeah, we miss them. There used to be the Ant Catfish triathlon, yeah. Yeah. the Beach one, the Land. We haven't. We don't have any. You know, I can only imagine ever since COVID, with more activities mm-hmm. happening outside, we would want to encourage that. No. You know, as opposed yeah. to indoor right. activities and stuff. So, yeah. Great yeah, let's that. see what we can do. We would all love that. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt Maddie there. No, no, sorry, Maddie. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. Um, so I personally don't know a lot about the Iron Man. You know, there's, I'm sure there's other people that might not know. So if you want to describe what it is, okay. um, what you plan to do, it's in Hawaii. So for um, the traditional Iron Man, it's 2.4 mile swim. And so in Hawaii, it's in the ocean. And then 112 mile bike ride. It's got about a 5,000-foot elevation gain, and then you run a marathon, which is the 26.2 miles. Chattanooga was a little different because, for some reason, it's the longest Ironman. They add four miles to the bike, so it was 116. 
the elevation in Chattanooga was about the same as Hawaii, so I kind of have an idea. Okay, yeah, I was what... gonna I was gonna see if there was gonna be a difference with running in Hawaii. Have you ever been there? No, before either. It's always been a dream of mine to go to Hawaii, so it's a win. Now you're situation. gonna go, and now you're gonna torture yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like I'm gonna go this there and torture myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, afterwards, after when you see her eating some Kona ice or something, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can imagine. So. The to get to Hawaii, then is that on you? How does how does yes. that work out? Uh, it's uh, basically you have to pay for everything. Ironman races are ridiculously expensive. Um, the traditional ones are like eight nine hundred dollars. The World Championship in Hawaii is fourteen hundred dollars just yeah. to register. Just to register. Just to register. Mm-hmm. So you still yes. need to go over there. Yes. Get a hotel, mm-hmm. which isn't cheap. So oh. if anybody is watching this right now, um, this is a perfect opportunity to maybe reach out to myself or reach out to Jenny. Um, is like because uh, we will tag her, and if there's any businesses who would be interested in sponsoring her on the world stage, not just the city or the county or the thing, but on the world stage, mm-hmm. if there are any businesses who would like to support her, is like help her financially. Um, and get this as like local person who everybody should be able to rally around is like, uh, we don't really have that many people is like from Port Orange or Volusia County on the world stage. So if there's any businesses, individuals who want to help support, um, please reach out to Jenny or myself and then we'll make sure that it happens. I'm fortunate. I do have a couple of businesses already helping me out. You mentioned Alberto's earlier. Alberto's Pizza. And then on on May 19th at Dunes Brewery in Port Orange, uh, they're going to be doing a fundraiser uh, with my friend um, Tracy Huffam. She has Tracy Huffam Photography. She's going to be doing headshots. So we're going to have more information that coming out soon. And then um, Emily Bradford with... Um, Restore and Rejuvenate Massage Therapy. She's also going to be doing a fundraiser. Awesome. So people is like, uh, go support those businesses and help raise some money. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. Is there anything else that you would like to say? Um, Just that, you know, I, I tell my students this all the time. Like, I was that little girl that thought that I couldn't do anything, you know, that I wasn't an athlete. And don't, like, set those limits, you know, low, you know. I learned so much from doing the Ironman, watching people and meeting people that <clears throat> have overcome disabilities, have overcome hardships. It seems like the longer the distance, the more of a story the person has. I have not yet to meet a triathlete that does long distances or I, I did a um, 50K run with the ultra marathons where they all have a story to tell. And so I think, you know, it's important to not to set limits low, you know, to keep building and you'd be amazed what your body can do. That's awesome. Yeah. And a lot of people need to realize that too. You know, they, they, they hold their self back sometimes. Mm-hmm. People always put themselves in front of themselves. Yeah. And hearing someone else who's going through a journey like that, I think it really helps them. It, it does. Like when I was running the Boston Marathon, I was running behind a group of blind athletes. They have like a tether wow. and wow. with their guide. Yeah. And it was pouring rain and it's hilly. <laughs> and I thought, wow, they have no fear. Like they're just. They're dedicated. Know, they're de- yes, yeah, they are dedicated. Absolutely. And I don't know if you guys saw about Chris Nykik. He has Down syndrome, and he completed the Florida Ironman, and then he qualified for the World Championship in Hawaii. He just did that. That's wow, amazing. that's, that's awesome. Amazing. And he follows the 1% rule where he was just increasing how much he would run, swim, or bike by 1% each day. 
And maybe I should try that. One yeah. percent is like instead of walking is like ten steps. Is like my you know one percent to walk further down the hall. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, at this time it was like uh, so it is the about half hour mark. So I actually I'm gonna sit out. I was like uh, I'm gonna have Marsha come in here with Maddie and then is like uh, take over this next half hour. So Marsha Evans is like who is um, a rock star. She's she is a rock star. She is so yes she, yes, she here, is. Marsha come over and take over the mic and then introduce yourself and talk about you. Women are always searching for unique jewelry. So why not get something that's going to stand out? Beadstone and Wireware does just that with their handmade custom jewelry. Whether it's necklaces, earrings, or bracelets, you'll find the perfect complement for every outfit. Visit beanstonewirewear.com today to browse their jewelry collection. You can also reach designer Linda Kessler at 913-484-2078. Again, that's 913-484-2078. Visit Beadstone Wireware today. Hey, everyone. How are Hi. you? Good. <laughs> good. Good. First of all, I have such a respect and admiration for what you are doing with this Iron Man. I just went skiing, and I had a ski injury. You know what my ski injury was from? Pushing toward the lips. Wow. <laughs> and I have, I have an injury now on my arm, so I can't imagine with the rigorous training <clears throat> that you're doing how you're able to maintain such great physique is phenomenal. It's a new challenge. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I am Marsha Evans, and um, I'm a local realtor here, manager, company, trainer over at um, Realty Pros Assured. But uh, Maddie's been coming in also and speaking to our agents, and I've really appreciated that. I've honestly learned a lot just coming in and listening to you speak, too. And the questions that the new agents have, you know, I'm learning from them, too. So it's nice how we're all bouncing off of each other and learning different things. Oh, yeah. Well, that's life, I think, really, when you think about it, is it's just bouncing off one another to improve and get better. Absolutely. And speaking of which, we have Matt Reinert in the house that is trying to make our county a better place every we're day. We're hoping to shout. We're hoping to shout. <laughs> He's going to work on those permits. Yes, I am. Right. I have a job already. <laughs> going to hold you to it. <laughs> I know it. I would hold me to, to it. I, was, I, I would as well. Absolutely. And this is a recorded line. Yeah, I know. I know. It's out there. It's already there. No getting out of it now. No, no. No, I would like to see more of that. I absolutely. And like I said, with, especially in light of, uh, and everybody refers to COVID, I mean, with what happened, but there should be more, you know, I I love the idea of getting outside more and and the family involvement. Um, So this could do nothing but help. So. Yeah, I agree. So, Matt, I know you were telling me that you got some good news. Um, did I did. Some of that? Yes, I'm sure I did. People are gonna love to hear it. All right, so, woo, um, had to get the glasses on. Tried here because I, serious? you know, I can't read. <laughs> um, so, in light of recent events with our storms, with Hurricane Ian and Hurricane Nicole, and the devastation that it had, uh, I was elected in November. Took office in January. First time ever, never being involved in politics in my life. Uh, I was involved with the county for 30 plus years. I retired as a warden uh, for the Volusia County Division of Corrections in 2017. And I wanted to still interact more, still wanted to help, still wanted that involvement. Um, I have a heart for service. I still want, I love this community. I've been here my whole life. Um, so uh, again, I moved here 1969, 1970. I had no say in the matter. So I stuck it out, you know, and I was a West Side guy. But anyways, Walking into that situation after being elected, um, definitely challenging. I mean, I didn't, you know, we have a lot of great people in the county that are that are working hard to try to resolve a lot of these issues. Uh, 
But to see the devastation that I've seen driving on the beach and seeing the, the homes that are just falling into the ocean, uh, it, it broke my heart. And um, so a lot of people are looking at us for answers, and, and I would be too. And I was saying before we started the podcast, I said I've never become more familiar with acronyms as I have in the last couple months. Everything from FDEP, uh, Florida Department of Environmental Protection, which everybody is challenged with with trying to get their permits for seawalls uh, or construction. And then there's FWC at the state level. There's US FWC at the uh, federal level. Uh, FDEM, Florida Department of Environmental Management. And the reason why I bring all those up is for so long, we were challenged with trying to find out how can we process or streamline these permits quicker and faster uh, because all of it doesn't resolve around money. If we could just throw money at it, Okay, but, you know, you just can't throw money at the problem. you got to find ways to, to get it fixed. So the challenge has been uh, we've been trying to, I, I, lack of a better word, scream at F, FTEP about, hey, we need these permits. Uh, this May 1st deadline is looming. And what I mean by that, if you're not familiar, May 1st, all construction must stop until the 1st of November because of the sea turtles. So the sea turtles are a big issue. We enjoy something here in Volusia County that is extremely rare, and it's called beach driving. And in order to have that beach driving, we have to have what they call an incidental take permit and the HCP, which is the Habitat Conservation Plan. So we had to have those in place in order to have that beach driving. That is coming up for review in just a few short years. So we don't know what that next federal judge will say. So we got to be very careful about how we deal with that. So, and I'll get into some other stuff. I'll, I have plenty to talk about if you want to. So, um, so we had to be really careful about the permit process. And we said, well, how can we do this? You know, you need to help us. Well, it all relates to the United States Fish and Wildlife Department at the federal level with regards to um, the Endangered Species Act, which is going back to the, to the sea turtle issue. FWC at the U.S. FWC was very reluctant to let anybody do any construction past May 1st. That's a no-no. You know, we, we take, they take it serious and they should. Uh, and it's not just about sea turtles. It's about our, our coastline birds that are in that area as well, but mostly with the sea turtles. So something that has never been done before at that level is they just committed to the fact that we are going to be able to proceed with construction past the May 1st deadline which was huge. So that being said is if, and I'll give the, the requirements of that. What they have said in a nutshell is you can proceed. If you have your, your permit from DEP, they'll let you proceed, provided there are no sea turtle nests in your area. In the event a sea turtle lays a nest in front of that area in that dune near your area, of course, all construction must stop. They will, uh, uh, FWC will monitor this. And we actually passed something last night uh, at the county level where we have a group that will, that, that's actually um, certified to do this sea turtle observation, the sea turtle lady, you know, that it goes around and we've actually designated funds for that to, to continue to help protect that, that sea turtle habitat. Um, if they see the sea turtle, all construction stops. Once the hatchlings occur and once there is no, evidence of any sea turtles for seven days, then construction can resume. And that will go into place until November. Once November happens, then they go back to regular construction. Here was the best part. If they didn't have their permit from FDEP, 
as everybody knows, in order to get a permit, you have to have a, a, a contractor, you have to have an engineer, all that good stuff. You have to present the plans. People are struggling not to just get material. They're struggling to find um, contractors and they're struggling to find engineers. So they are, we're telling them this, we're telling FWC this. FWC has agreed to say, okay, if you don't have your permit, stay in contact with us. Once you get your permit, then we'll go back to the original plan, say, as if you had it before the May 1st deadline. So it could be June 1st or the end of May or whatever before that uh, permit came into play. They'll let you proceed with work after that deadline date. That was the huge part. That was that was epic. That has never happened before, So, or at least not to my knowledge. So that was that was the big news. Not just money being thrown. I could talk about all the money, but this was huge to let people proceed to try to fix their homes. Yeah, I'm sure people are going to be you know, happy to hear that they Absolutely. Can continue to fix it ho their homes. Now, I do have a question, though. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to, now, I'm newish to the area still. Um, I know Welcome. About, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, now, I know about the, the sea turtles. Mm -hmm. You know, my family talks about it all the time. They've been here for four years. You know, they look forward to it, just hearing about them. Yeah. And um, so is there someone that, like, monitors the beach and looks for the nests? There is. That's a good question. Um, the lady, the individual, the and I wish I had her name, I'm sorry, or the the um, agency that she's created in order to do this, she is certified to monitor that for the state of Florida. Okay. And also reminding that FWC will make their trips up and down as will, you know, other agencies will be looking for it as well. Our coastal division, Jennifer Fentress, who runs our coastal division, she's phenomenal. They'll be monitoring it as well. So, I mean, you're going to have several entities, several different people, a lot of different factions that are looking for this. Mm -hmm. Because, number one, first and foremost, we don't want to put the sea turtles at risk. Number two, we don't want to put our incidental take permit at risk. I'm a diehard advocate of, of – I love our beach driving. I love the idea that we have beach driving. We're unique with respect to that. It brings a lot of revenue, millions of dollars into this area as a result of beach driving. So I want to make sure that we do whatever we can to protect that. I don't want to make the emphasis about that because the emphasis is about, you know, the endangered species. Um, but it also comes into play if, you know, we got to look at our economy as well. Yeah, I'm sure that, you know, now that you guys are going to be able to, now that they're going to be able to continue the construction, you know, mm -hmm. people are still going to be worried about the sea turtles. So to hear that there's more than one agency. Absolutely. Looking, yes. I think that's really going to calm their nerves. You know, and that's not going to stop the average citizen from walking down and, you know, that has the heart know, for that yeah. as well. You know, you and I, we could be walking down and say, whoa, they're doing construction. There's a crane operating. There's a sea turtle. Pick up the phone and let us know. They actually have a stanchion of volunteers that monitor yes, they do. all of the regions of our beaches yes, they do. in order to Thank help you, Marcia, mark they do. And, um, and track the turtle nests. I do have a question, mm -hmm. though. Um, FDEP is also overseeing the renourishment of our beaches. Mm -hmm. um, I know that as they're getting closer to the plans and they now have more of the community input to determine, and I'm hoping they're not using the two sources that are the most um, harmful to ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, what is their timeline looking like? Have you heard any more about that? Because that'll be running through Volusia County and parts of Flagler County. Yeah, well, we, we just, uh, and, and I know what you're talking about, I know that there's money that is coming from the state uh, through DEP, uh, the $37 million that the governor uh, signed to us, and there's more money coming. I will tell you that, you know, like with anything, bureaucracy is another big headache that I've, I, I just shake my head at it. 
we just got the requirements of what we could spend that $37 million for. Now, if everybody remembers back on social media and in the news, uh, myself, Mr. Rectomald, and Danny Robbins were there to receive the check. How many? That was two months ago, and we just now received that. It just came in front of council to approve. Of course, we're going to approve taking that money, but we had to go through the I don't formality. Know. Let's think about it. I know, right? <laughs> we we kind of joked about that. Say, do we really want this? You know. So, um, but we do hear that there is more coming. Um, part of the designation of that money has to be for the feasibility study and what we're going to do and how we're going to re-nourish it. Getting back to your question. With what I'd like to get into some of the specifics of what we could do and some of the things that I'm looking for, because that is my district and everybody knows my history there at the jail. Uh, we have a couple greenhouses that we have built since I left. We have a farm program I'm trying to get started at the jail and I can get into that in a little bit, but that's totally separate. But I'd like to see us be able to have the ability to uh, possibly grow some seagrasses. Once the dunes are restored, we all know that seagrasses help to uh, control the sustainability of that dune because the sand won't, you know, wash away as easy. Natural so, buffer. Natural buffer, exactly. And uh, after you get that natural accretion of sand back uh, and whatever sand we can dump, which I can talk about the resources that we're going to, uh, planting the seagrasses is going to be vital. So it's not just about growing them. I'd like to see the inmates get out there because it takes a lot to plant those as well under our supervision that we could plant that. Um, and then possibly look at some, you know, like the sand fences and, and things of that nature to kind of uh, help keep that. That should be part of that restoration plan. Yes. Um, we'll hear more about that because I know that development of that restoration plan will come into effect after the feasibility study. Part of the feasibility study will be what kind of plan do we have? And, and that's going to take a little bit of time, I'm sure. Like I said, I think we can go quicker in making the plan than what we are getting from the state as far as what you're allowed to use the money for. Well, my biggest concern, honestly, is the way history can repeat itself. Absolutely. And it's and just coming around the corner. Back in hurricanes past, mm -hmm. as we have had um, during hurricanes, um, Charlie. Well, actually, oh, well, not even just before, that, but even before that. Francis, Charlie, Jean. Yes. Mm -hmm. At that time, especially New Smyrna was hit pretty mm -hmm. significantly. And they did renourishment. They brought in millions of dollars of sand to renourish the, the coast. Over time, that sand eroded away from that area and filled up our inlet. Yeah. Then now produced millions of dollars to get the sand out. And it will. Part of that money that we're talking about in that plan is that dredging of that sand from the inlet and there around Rattlesnake Island. Yes. Uh, part of our... Uh, where we, you know, I know we call it Rattlesnake Island affectionately, and I don't know why, and I don't want to know why. I won't be going there. So they'll be doing the dredging project of that. Also, uh, we have an opportunity, and I was going to get to this. Um, Army Corps of Engineers does a dredging project about every five, six years. They are, they do it in the uh, intercoastal waterway. So that's a long area. I mean, all from one end to the other. Yes. Normally what they've done is they drop that sand in anywhere from 8 to 12 feet of water offshore to act as a, um, I, there's a word for it, and I apologize, I don't remember, but we have convinced them, we're going to make it easier on you. Your permit states that it has to be so many, uh, so, uh, a certain distance offshore. Well, Rattlestink Island meets that distance requirement, so they don't have to change their their permit. Once we go through the process of dredging Rattlesnake Island to put that sand back, 
Army Corps, we've convinced to possibly place that sand that they dredge, which is beach-compatible sand, right back on Rattlesnake Island, kind of gives us two bites of the apple. That does cost money. The beauty of that is a lot of that second dump, obviously, that comes at no expense to the County of Volusia that came from the Army Corps of Engineers. Hmm. The money that it takes to dredge it initially will come from that $37 million that we have received from the state. So we're going to have to have some match funds, obviously, to accommodate that. I know, you know, but I don't foresee that that project takes $37 million. At least I hope not. So will we, in essence, be renourishing with renourished well and and that's a good question see i i'm i'm kind of curious as to that renourishment plan that we're talking about let's not do what we did in the past it didn't work natural accretion happens i get it but you just said it you you hit the nail on the head we're going to have more storms we're in a, a very big high area for lack of a better word for hurricanes it's it's going to happen it's inevitable so uh let's come up with a better plan um, there was something somebody brought up, which I thought was phenomenal. Do you remember the, the old days that they did the Christmas trees? Yes. Christmas trees, putting them into, and, um, Josh Wagner. God, I love Josh. Josh, <laughs> I love Josh. I, Josh, if you're here now, I love you. Josh Wagner, I heard, had that plan a long time ago. Well, he didn't originate the plan, but he kind of spearheaded that. I want to get back to that. And we got away from it because they are worried about tinsel. You know, I could find a bunch of volunteers to take tinsel out of out of Christmas trees. And no, Steve, it will not be um, artificial trees. <laughs> so, anyways, the I'd Christmas like to see... Christmas trees repurposed. Yes, Christmas trees repurposed. Well, they hold the sand in place. And, they and you know, it's kind of a natural way of doing the, uh, the sand fencing that I talked about. They have sand fences that hold dunes in place. But that, along with it, I think there, there are ideas like that that could be utilized as part of that renourishment plan. We have to be careful about how much renourishment uh, that we don't get to what they call an engineer beach. Engineer beach, we can say goodbye to our beach driving if they get to that. So we have to be careful about that. But I think the little things like this are are doable. Um, I think that uh, it can do nothing but help, and it's inexpensive. It's, I mean, most of the people have, have to have a place to dump their trees, so why not give them to us? And turn it into a uh, county event. I agree. I agree. So as that gets closer and that beach renourishment plan gets closer, let's see what uh, how much uh, how much involvement we have in that and how we can how we can dictate to make that a, a reality. You know, little you know, bring some ideas. And and that was like I said, it was Josh's idea, uh, probably somebody else's idea before that. But you know, we don't plan or we don't act as if we know all the answers. So we'll take any ideas. You know. Can you appoint Josh to a special committee? Oh, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. I think he'll appreciate that yes. very, very much. Yes, he would. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, in addition, what other issues countywide are you really putting your focus on currently? Okay. Or what do you see forecasting? So everybody has their uh, – we have something coming up here in the near future. It's a goal-setting um, uh, there's been a few of us since, you know, we're, we're bored of, of seven that five of us are brand new to this and everybody wants to hit the ground running, but we want to have success with our ideas. And uh, because even though the jail and its location is not in district two, obviously I have a lot of history with it. There was a project that uh, we wanted to get started way back in the day uh, of an inmate farm. And let me explain why. The inmate farm doesn't just teach these inmates uh, a trade or something to do. 
the general fund funds your jail operation, which is about 60 some million dollars. I mean, it's huge. When I sat as a warden, it was only about thir- ooh, 35 million, which is still a good chunk of change. Um, so the jail operation itself takes probably the largest chunk out of the general fund, one of the largest chunks out of the general fund that the county has. So when then you take the jail's budget, what I just referred to, the biggest part of that goes to your medical and your pharmaceutical costs. Well, we can't control that. You know, pharmaceutical costs are the way they are. That's done at a at a different level. Unfortunately, I don't have any control over that. We'll have another show about that. We topic. can talk about that. I would love to. And then there's <laughs> food, food cost. So how can we lower the food cost? So during my tenure at the jail, I, I uh, uh, helped supervise a jail ins- uh, inspection committee, and we did and inspected jails throughout the state of Florida. One of them that we did was Manatee County. There's no sense in recreating the wheel. Manatee County is pretty much self-sufficient. Manatee County has their own tilapia farm. They have their own meat processing plant. They raise their own cattle. They have a hydroponic farm. They have an in-ground farm. They have thousands of chickens that they raise. All started with about 200 chickens, by the way. That has evolved. And this is a true story. This is what blows me away. So they, they've taken a county ambulance because it's a county property and they created a paint booth to help the inmates teach them how to paint county vehicles. Well, they took this county ambulance and their intention was to, to paint it and they realized, okay, we have another use for this. So they, they got an individual, an engineer from Manatee, correct, or Manatee uh, Community College and they brought him in and they taught the inmates how to make a, um, the engine, repair the engine. He took it one step further. They created a biofuel machine, and they inserted it inside the ambulance. They drive it up to the kitchen. They take the oil and the grease from the kitchen vats or whatever. They process that, and that's what operates their farm equipment. Wow. That was incredible. That was incredible. And that's a true story. I saw this actually happen. Now they've taken it. They have their own embroidery uh, place where they do their own shirts. Something I saw... Uh, when I first got on, I started looking around at some of the shirts at the county. I'm wearing one right now. And I said, how much do we pay for embroidery for shirts? Well, you pay for the shirt and you pay for the embroidery. Can our inmates do it cheaper? We just buy the shirt. We're teaching them how to sew. We're teaching them. So that has evolved in conversations with businesses that are out there that need sewers. I had a meeting yesterday with the Fit USA that has about 100 and some odd jobs that are available for people. Then VMA came on board. Then Career Source came on board. So they're looking at places that we can teach these these inmates how to sew, how to embroider. That's gone into maybe we can teach them start a program and to teach them uh, how to do electrical. So our boat industry down there in uh, uh, Edgewater and New Smyrna can hire these individuals once they're released because they're looking for electricians when they do their boating. They're looking for people to to form fiberglass. Maybe we can teach them how to do that. So started with one conversation, and now there are hundreds of jobs that are out there available that these in, these companies are willing to hire these guys to give them a second chance. So it's twofold, or actually more than twofold. I teach them a trade, or I don't, but the, the jail teaches them a trade. It reduces our costs as taxpayers. It gives them a job, and it slows down po- uh, possibly that recidivism rate of those inmates going back into into the jail, and they become pr- productive members of society. Yeah. So, 
that is one big project I'm trying to get off. Well, off and the that ground. is ultimately the purpose with remediation. Absolutely. And I think sometimes it's a fundamental piece that's missing. It sounds to me you are you're integrating life skills with yes. employability skills, yep. as well as self esteem issues. I'm sorry, Absol- but when no, you're it dealing is. with farming, um, it's when you're responsible for the life of other animals and even plants for that matter. It brings everything to a different. It spectrum. does. It absolutely does. I definitely feel like when people. You know, they, when they get out of prison, they don't really know what to do, and that's when they relapse. But they do. They yeah. do. Or they, they connect with the same crowd again. And I feel like if, you know, they learn something in prison, mm-hmm. and then they're able to go out, and companies are willing to hire them, there's less chance of that relapse. You just saw well, it with the job market the way it is. Not many people are wanting to work. Oh, it is. And, and that's crazy. It's unbelievable. Really and thank you, Steve Parker, for being an active contributor to the needs of our society. Because I'll tell you what, yeah. contractors are at a premium right now. Yep. But I have to say, one of the other things I think happens often in the prison dynamic, and I don't know, I've never been to prison but I did used to be a teacher. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's the same, isn't it? Little yeah. parallels going on there. But no. I look at the teachers in the room. Yes, exactly. And it was New Smyrna High. Um, patterns, behavioral patterns, life Behavior. patterns. Yep. When you are getting them involved in a daily function, I know that in the regular prison dynamic, it's when they leave that dynamic, they don't know what to do because now their entire system that was structured is gone. Yep. And we, t- you know, you have structure in a jail environment. It's, it's paramilitary, yes. you know, uh, same thing in our rank, but it, it is for the inmates. We tell them what time to get up, what time to go to bed. It's, it's very structured. And when they leave that, unfortunately, uh, they, they mix with, they relapse yeah, and go yeah. back to the same crowd. So when, when I was out there, you know, and climbing through the ranks and, and we made it a requirement to make them get their GED, to make them get their education, I said, isn't there more we could do? Ergo, one of the reasons why I wanted to, to pursue something else other than yelling at the TV. Well, can I ask you the, one other bridge piece that I don't know if it exists in your idea, which mm-hmm. I think is a brilliant idea. Would I mean, I know we used to work in junior league with workforce development as mm-hmm. we were transitioning women out of Project Warm. Women Project Warm, great program. Brothers, great program. Um, into jobs. We mm-hmm. had a thrift shop that had... Um, Back on track was the name of a program. It was all professional wear to get them suited up. With this program, would it include a transition where you already have the businesses in place ready to bring them and transition? It absolutely. It absolutely. One of the conversations we have with Fit, I want to say it's Fit USA. It's probably, I'm probably misquoting and forgive me if he's listening. Um, He's willing to, that's just one. And we have several more through VMA that we're talking and through Career Source. We have businesses that are ready to hire them. All I'm trying to do is make it easier to hire them also. If I can teach them how to do a certain thing that this company does, they're more ready for that employment than somebody walking in off the street. They have a leg up already. But does DOJ have the authority to create a, um, actually kind of almost bring them in pseudo as they're getting ready to transition out? At a county level, no. At the state level, they do. Um County's a little bit hard to deal with uh, and, and a little bit unique and only because we don't have them long term. Okay. Uh, so by the time we can get them, remember, everybody that's arrested in Volusia County comes through our jail. So it could be trespassing. It could be the worst offense. And I'll leave it at that. So we have them, if they are sentenced, they're sentenced to under a year. The state prison system houses those individuals that are sentenced over a year. 
they have a little bit more leeway with having, uh, we have to really kind of fast track the training, if you will, uh, because most of them are under a year time. And, okay. you know, a year may sound like a lot, but it's really not, you know, uh, again, they're focused. We're also at, we're trying to keep them busy all the whole day. You know, we're going to train them and, and put them in these programs to teach them how to do stuff. But we're also, if they don't have their education at nighttime, you're going, you know, you're not going to sit there and watch TV in the block. You're not going to play cards. You're going to go to school and you're going to get your education. Um, so we're, we're trying to keep them as productive in there and busy hands. You know what they say, my teacher's in the room. <laughs> well, my kid's dad was an attorney and ah. he was a prosecutor at ah, that okay. for a while. And then he was, of course, then they crossed to the other side and probably, you know, go to defending. Yep. But he always said through the, <laughs> through criminals and through working with, uh, you know, through cases that being, they, they almost preferred to be sentenced to prison versus jail. Versus jail. Because of the different dynamic of the two. It is. It is. Uh, and I don't know, I mean, specifically, uh, there are probably a lot more programs offered at the state level than what we do at the county. And that's what I want to change. I want to change that philosophy. And um, not that I want them to come to jail to <laughs> to be able to get that, but... Um, come get employed in yeah, jail. Come yeah, come and get employed at the Volusia <laughs> County Jail. So, uh, and we need a, we need officers. So, anyways... <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, if we can make it, uh, better for them to, to be reintroduced into society and make them more, uh, uh, equipped, you know, lack of a better word, um, then why not? But we never had that before. So that's what I want to kind of bring to the table. Yeah. They're going to feel like they have a second chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is so exciting. Yes. So, yeah, I have, it is for me. I'm, I'm very excited. You know, I, we, we talked to, like I said, we talked about this for years when I was working there and I was never in a position to be able to convince a county manager, or, uh, convince a county councilman to, so let me become the county councilman. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and uh, very good point. Thank you very much because I don't want to make it about hear that. Steve on the sidelines, yes. how can we help get your name right, back so, on the ballot? So this is, uh, everybody knows it's like, what? He just ran. Uh, I did in 2022. And the reason for that, Billy Wheeler, I love her to death. Billy Wheeler did a phenomenal job and those were some huge shoes to fill. Uh, Billy, uh, this is the back half of her term. So what had happened as a result of the, uh, census, uh, that we just had just recently uh, required every government agency to kind of do a redistricting. So that being said, she didn't want to have to run for just two years. So I ran to fill that two-year void. Uh, that being said, in 2024, I have to run again. So I've already entered my name back with the supervisor of elections to run for 2024. Um, so that being said, I am doing the, per the um, petition process. I love Lisa Lewis to death, but I'm not big about writing her a check for $2,000 to just put my name on the ballot. So this time around, it's a little bit different. They have to be in District 2 in order to sign that petition last time because of the redistricting. So uh, District 2 would be that of the north side of Dunlawton and Port Orange, uh, Daytona Beach from Clyde Morris out, and then that strip down Bevel Road, all of uh, South Daytona, all of Ponce Inlet, and all of Daytona Beach Shores. That is all District 2. And if you have any question about it, the Supervisor of Elections can can assist you and tell you what district you're in. Or on your voter's registration card, look up County Council. It'll say District 2. Um, so 
I, I'm trying to think how we can get my petition, uh, maybe put it on the website. They can download it. Uh, I'll have an email address associated with it. Um, if you live in a condo association, those are great. You know, I would be more than happy to take those petitions. Remember the petition process, very important. It is not an endorsement or a vote. It simply helps me get on the ballot without having to pay that cost. And I encourage that process with everybody running for office. So the um, uh, it is not that. So just by signing the petition, um, it, it helps me to get on that ballot. And then, of course, you know, if you want to help out financially, we can do that too. My website is up. It's uh, Matt. 2024.org, matt2024.org. Uh, there is a, a, a the ability to to donate. Unfortunately, it's a you know this is the worst part about running is asking for to help with contributions and whatnot. But it takes money to to get road signs to to do uh, rack cards to explain about you. Obviously, I can't be in a hundred different places. I wish I could. Don't be a secret politician. No, no. Yeah, don't be the secret politician. I like that. <laughs> so it does it does cost that, unfortunately. So we could use any help that, that we can. And um, please feel free if you have any questions about my platform or what I stand for, reach out to me. Uh, and on that website, there's the ability to send me an email or a message and I'd be more than happy to answer the question. I love talking to people. Well, wonderful. And when so. you hold some public fundraisers, be sure to let us know as oh, well. Oh, I will. We do have one coming up. We do, do have one coming up. Do Thank tell. you for bringing that up. Yeah, just so, walk right in that door. Uh, yes, yes. On uh, May 24th uh, from 5 to 7 p.m. at Hooligans in Daytona Beach, uh, we are going to be doing our, our kickoff slash first fundraiser. Uh, we'll be talking with some individuals tomorrow about setting that up. I've already talked to Hooligans. Great, great team that they have out there. Uh, great support factor for us. Um, so that will help. That will definitely help. Um, but, you know, remember, $5, 10 $15 also helps too. I don't want to take anything away from yours because <laughs> that is a great, you know, and I had to put that out there because that's, that's what you're doing is awesome. And, and I, you know, I'm ready to go home and write a check to you right now. So, um, Anyways, but uh, yeah, if you want to tell more about yours, I too. see an integrated one here where you're running for office. Oh, <laughs> I like that! Sorry, that wow, it's really cheesy former like English that. teacher humor. <laughs> here with When's your deadline for the petition? Oh, good question. So the petitions can be done. We have 18 months before the election. Okay. I am getting ahead of this because I was late to the game last time. Ooh. I was very late, so I wanted to be early. Right now, there is no opposition. There may be. Um, however, uh, I wanted to get a jump in on things and because I'm excited about these programs that I talked about, I can't do that if I'm not there or I can, but it's a lot harder. So I think that we could, we still have a lot of things to do and two years is just not enough time to do it. This new opportunity running again will give me four years to do that. So a regular term. So it gives us more opportunity. I'm just thinking you could come to Dunes Brewery on maybe. I was thinking about, I was already thinking that date. I was already thinking that date. about this. Well, we're going to have more details coming up, but my friend, Tracy Huffam, photography is going to be doing headshots. And then she's coordinating with the manager there on specials and stuff. But I'm just thinking that might be a good date for you to come to help people, you know, to help you to sign it. Oh, I'd welcome that. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. might be a good day to do that. Kind of integrate the two. Look at that. There was a reason for everything. There's a reason for being here. Well, guys, I just want to thank you again. Oh, thank you for having us. Talking about your journey, talking about everything that's going on. Yeah. 
Anytime you want to have me back, I told you I got more more stuff up here. Oh, we're gonna away. need updates. Believe oh, me, absolutely. we need to know what's going on absolutely. in this county because it impacts us all. Absolutely, and we're Be so than fortunate happy to, do to have an advocate such as you representing our best oh, thank interests. You. Thank you very much. Just as we are so proud to have you representing us in the world stage. Oh, yes, absolutely. you're an inspiration to a lot of people. Well, I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to tell a little bit of my story and. I was really interested in hearing about all the stuff going on in the county. So it's been a win-win situation. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Yeah. All right. Um, thank you again for everyone who tuned in. Um, my name's Maddie Rook again. and Marsha Evans. So, yeah, we're going to close it out. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining you. us. We'll see you soon.